there, and welcome to episode 18 of The Light Experiments. This conversation was sparked by one simple phrase I just couldn't stop wondering about. Decisions make themselves. And it just turned out to be a totally mind-blowing discussion about choices, destiny, and manifestation. Uh, Amy and I could never have anticipated where this chat would take us, but we're just super pumped it did. And we hope that you get something out of it too. So if you're at all curious about choosing in the direction of your highest purpose or how decisions can be made easier in general, how you can manifest the things that you want, all that stuff, you might find this interesting. (laughs) We certainly hope you dive in with us and we want to say a heartfelt thank you. Thank you for being here. It's truly magic with all our love. Enjoy. You had a suggestion. Bordering on a suggestion barely a suggestion I was listening to the bewildered podcast with Mark Beck Mm. and Rowan Mangan and Ro mentioned in passing that at one point in her life she was torn by a choice that needed to be made she was overseas things weren't going well was she to stay or was she to go home And she was telling this little story and then she just said, uh, and one day I was on the phone to my mum and mum goes, well, don't worry, darling, Um, decisions make themselves. And immediately I thought of you because we had only just recently talked about your potential move to Queensland and it was at that stage, that really early stage of it being a possibility. Mm -hmm. I saw you in a sense, in this quandary of choice-making. And I thought, what is in this idea that you never needed to make (laughs) a decision and that the entity that you're choosing either towards or away from is going to make itself in one way or another without you. I don't know if I'm articulating this properly, but I found the idea fascinating that the choices that we sometimes labour over may have a consciousness of their own in one way or another, or they are already integrated into our field in one way or another. And that here we are thinking, oh my God, I've got to get this right. Which way do I go? And all of that. But maybe there's something else going on with it. Over to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we've all been in or found ourselves in a situation in life where we've said the words, I just don't know which choice to make. I don't know what to choose. I don't know which is the right decision. And it's such a relatable experience. I remember roughly half my life ago when Tudor and I lived together in London, we were faced with a decision to make because we had been um, living together for 12 months and coming to the end of my permissible time to be in the UK. So I had had my two-year or three-year working visa, whatever it was. I'd extended it to the six-month holiday visa, but now it was time for me to leave. And so we were like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to stay together? Are we going to separate? No, that's not a choice. We want to stay together. Okay, so in order to stay together, we have two options. We can get married and stay in the UK because he has a British passport, or we can go through the um, de facto exercise for him to immigrate to Australia. And it was a difficult decision to make. You know, you're weighing up all of the options, the pros and cons. How does it look going down that path? How does it look going down that path? What are the opportunities? We decided to come to Australia. Literally in the three to two months before we left, before we packed up our entire lives to move to Australia and do 12 months of backpacking in between, the bank that Tudor had banked with for six years or whatever in the UK was like, you're a ridiculous saver of money. Here's a home loan. One of the Premier League football clubs, because he's a soccer player, said, 
here's an invitation to come and try out for our team, Premier League. And there was a third thing. I can't remember what the third thing was. But three significant turn right options. Like you've decided to turn left and here's the universe going, but look at what's the other way. And it's a really big, shiny, bright. (laughs) You can't miss it. Yeah. And it's also really appealing. Like you could own some property. You could be, you could be, even if you don't play on the actual pitch, you could be in the training squad of a Premier League soccer team having played soccer your entire life. Like, and this other thing, which I cannot bloody remember. But yeah. So I was like, oh my God, the universe is testing us, totally testing us. Is this really the decision we want to make? That's how I saw it at the time. Yes. You've made this choice in theory. When it rubber hits the road, is that really what you want to do? And wow. we said no to those offers okay. and left. Wow. So you Because knew we sure. knew it was a massive crossroad moment, like crossroad moment. Choose to stay, life goes a very different direction than if we choose to go, very different direction. Not knowing really how each direction looks, you know, not knowing what's in the future. Amazing. So I feel this, I feel it in my body when we're trying to make a decision or a choice. There is head, Mm. so much head Mm. involved, so much rational, logical, pros versus cons, outcomes, expectations, all of that wrapped up in the attempt to come to a final choice or decision, which can often be very different to where the heart's at, Mm. can't it? Mm. And I wonder how much of our own personal stuff is wrapped up in how easily or effortlessly we are able to make a choice or make a decision that is different that sends our life in a different trajectory to the one we're currently on. Value judgments, am I worthy, should or shouldn't I? What's holding me back, They th- what they think I should do? Mm. Destiny, you know. That's it. Like that's, that's really what I'm questioning. The blueprint yes. of it all, which does, I believe, now evolve and shift as we evolve yes. and and transform and step into newer and newer versions of ourselves. But it does feel like there's some kind of destination. Oh, I've never put those words together. To it. Right. That's what I'm actually questioning. Yeah. Mm. We've said this before, though, also, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you choose. It doesn't matter what you do. And I, f- I feel like when you bring up a topic or, or a, a concept like destiny, we feel like we're either on track or off. Mm, that's and I don't really believe that's the case. Like in the, I know we always refer to the conversations with God's books, but they're so relevant. In the, in the Home with God mm. book, God Consciousness says you cannot not get home. Mm-hmm. all paths lead home and I feel like that applies on the micro level to our individual journeys we can't not get where we're going so in the end the choices that we make don't matter I don't reckon right. it's linear or unidirectional yes and if you look at your so-called destiny as either something you are in line with or not is really only a concern of this small Mm. incarnated self, right? Because according to the infinite eternal aspect, it doesn't matter because as you say, all it's all leading to the same destination if you want to, right? If you want to like look at it that way. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting thing. We, we've, we've touched on this topic in other ways before. And when you said, I just don't think it matters, 
we we did flesh that out in one of our conversations. God knows which one it was, but I know at some point we just <laughs> were like, oh my God, it really doesn't matter which way you go. It's only mattering <laughs> to your to your thinking self because mm. we think this is either a success or it's not. I either get to where I was supposed to go or I don't. But that's such a three-dimensional mm. way of looking at it. What I found so interesting about your example, and it's the perfect example, a really pivotal decision in life is that we often say to our friends and loved ones and to ourselves, I think, in in situations like that, the universe is telling you which way to go. Oh, look at that. The universe is giving you a sign. It's a sign. (laughs) But what's interesting is that you you got this like so-called curveball which was not in the direction of the choice that you had made. So I'm just trying to think like at the time, was there a sense of is the universe not just trying to challenge us to see if we're really happy with our choice, but is it trying to indicate that we are meant to be here? Mm, Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Reckoning with all of that. But that comes down to interpretation, doesn't it? it's an interpretation it's like okay is it testing our resolve or is it actually saying this is indicating go this way rather make a different decision I don't know no one can tell you because no one can predict the future no one can say that one one going that way is going to be more beneficial better happier shinier it's just going to be what it is it's just going to be what it is. And so we can take those interpretations however they suit us. It's an interpretation. Yeah, right. It's still more mind work, isn't it? It's and more it is more mind work, yeah. Yeah. And neither of all well, you you said there were three lures that were mm. dangled in front of both of you. Mm. But clearly none of those lures were like attractive enough or I'm I'm thinking of something even more decisive like something so like it's a no-brainer that Uh, kind of idea like oh my god I've waited for this my whole life oh yeah you know what I mean like oh now everything is off the table because this is do you see what I'm trying to get at I see I do see and I think that the one thing I remember now the one thing that was the catch for us was to stay and do all of those and and accept the, all of those invitations, we would have had to get married. Oh, wow. And because that's the only way I could stay in the UK. And neither of us were really ready Comfortable. Mm-hmm. to get married. I was 24 or t- oh. yeah. and, young, you know, so he was 26. And that's just how it was for us in that situation. For another couple at a different time, it might have been different. They might have said, you know what, it's worth it. It's worth getting married to get some property in the UK and to join the soccer club. And Come what may. <laughs> Come what may. <laughs> I can only think just on a side note, like that his, his soccer career, however that might have played out, would be tied up in his marriage or with his, like he, I don't know, there's something really, there's a really interesting dynamic that would have been at work there. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's by the by. Um, so I understand how it was a really complex set of dynamics at play. Extremely um, complex. Yeah. Extremely. Like weaving two lives together but braiding in also these yeah, yeah incentives. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, really yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it definitely felt, um, even though I didn't have the language at the time that I have now around this kind of thing, it felt destined that it wouldn't be a straightforward kind of a decision, that there would need to be, and I think that's a really valuable point, that it's not just about the outcome. It's not just about where this decision or choice takes us to. It's about the process of making the decision itself, all of the reckoning, all of the deep, deep soul searching and inquiry that you go through when 
you're faced with needing to make a choice. Yeah. Right? Because a lot comes out of that. There's a lot of like reflection and like teasing apart of the threading of what we believe <laughs> is a part of our journey and where we're going and what that all means. And I think that there's a lot of value in being in the crossroad, not yet having a forward motion. Yeah, standing at that at that crossroad point and just allowing yourself to be there. And we've talked a, a few times now about the the power of uncertainty and the gifts mm. of uncertainty. And you're so right with it. And we this is pretty much what we were saying back in the second episode. It's like without real crises of confidence around choice, you really don't ever stop to question anything. Mm. You can just continually float and what have you. It it takes a crux, it takes some form of tension between one option or another or what have you in order for you to as you say I love that idea of pulling the threads of the tapestry apart a little bit so you can see what's really there Mm. and Mm. not just the picture itself Mm. see what it's made up of Mm. colors which way does it go all of that and I'm just winding my way back to the the statement that inspired this topic, not it's not that I believe it to be true or even that it is a, I don't know, it's the first time I'd ever heard this saying. Is it a saying or is it just one woman's way of consoling her daughter? I don't know. Is it a thing? The decisions make themselves. My intrigue came from, wait, so what happens when we stop trying to figure out the answer? Because it felt like that was really at the heart of the advice. The advice was, it's all going to happen anyway. Mm. Um, lay off trying to figure it out. <laughs> and what you'll find is that it will happen anyway. And I just find that actually on the surface it sounds like a very simple thing. <laughs> but when I look at that, I see layers of implications in that. And, okay, so what is actually happening at all times, not just a time of crisis or choice making, but the whole thing, <laughs> it's just all happening. And so then I sort of come back to, and that we're, you know, yes, we we make these choices along the way all the time to travel there and not here and to marry this person, not that, all, all the rest of it. But I guess I that statement pulled into question for me the cerebral nature of our angst at wanting to get it right and not wanting to make a misstep. And I guess I'm circling back through the same terrain that we've just travelled through. But you, I think you understand like why I'm so curious about this as an idea because I'm just trying to think when my children are big enough to start making big decisions. <laughs> for their own lives, will I want to say to them, darling, it's okay. You don't have to figure it all out. It, the decision will make itself if you just lean off it a little bit and just kind of come into your own space a little more. Stop travelling down both roads into the f- imaginary future trying to figure out which, which one looks better. Mm. and just bring us I think is that what that that statement is I'm not really sure but I'm I'm feeling that the the contrast between the statements trying to figure it out and making sense of something because actually when you to, to make sense of something is to is to sense um in your body it is to use your senses not your mind Right? To figure something out is to use figures, numbers, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever logical way you can to find a solution to something. But to make sense, the word sense is in there. Sense is sensual. Sense is sensitive. Sense is our antenna, our mm-hmm. way of receiving stimuli. I'm always interested yeah. in the idea of free will 
and how that relates to divine will (laughs) and how that relates to our experience of life in general. And I guess that's what that statement, decisions make themselves, Mm. that um, evoked in me Mm. that same little rising curiosity that lives in me. And I think you touched on it and actually said it in the very in your in your expression of the story in the very beginning here. You said something, whatever you said reminded me of a concept that I've never really been able to get my head around and I haven't really tried because I figure it's just not something you're supposed to get your head around. And that's, <laughs> idea, and that's this idea of timelines. This, this oh, word yeah. that gets bandied about in this kind of uh-huh. where does it get bandied about? new agey kind of ascension talk of ascension oh yeah right yeah yeah yeah. and I've always been like what is a timeline like I don't really get it I mean I kind of gives you an indication that the word itself is is kind of indicative I get it Mm. but I don't really but then I guess something that you said there in your story the word timeline did arise in me and I thought hmm and again the, di- the dichotomy of the human or the polarity of the, of the human experience kicks in. You go, well, I just want the best timeline. I want the highest timeline. I want the, <laughs> you know, the timeline that's the most fun or whatever. But when, you know, if there are infinite timelines, like infinite possibilities, and we're just kind of like cruising through this soup, wafting our way from one experience to the other, but I guess there are some um, currents we can ride that will take us a little higher than but but the value in going lower is no less than than the value of going higher and I'm just putting that out there the the word timeline and this notion of choosing which I think we with our human minds become very dualistic about right wrong better worse but something then when you spoke maybe expanded this idea of timeline to this idea of riding waves of possibilities of just and knowing that there is no more value in riding one particular wave than another you just you just get to choose mm, mm-hmm. for sure I mean just to go a little bit more woo, woo on you please I wonder if when Tudor and I have done this life before we chose the other way yes oh you just can't go woo enough for me like like I wonder if you know yeah. what I mean yeah I do oh god because you know how the idea oh, has yeah. been introduced to us that you don't just live a succession because time isn't linear you're not just living like lifetime after lifetime in succession but yeah. they're stacked Yes. And you've lived the same one. Oh, my God. That actually is such a powerful idea. I was trying to explain this to my (laughs) (laughs) eight-year-old recently because he likes talking about past lives or he calls past lives because that's an interesting idea for him. Yeah. And then I tried to throw in the fact that time, you know, (laughs) really only I can't even remember how I said it, but it was something like trying to introduce the idea or trying to loosen the idea of time to include the idea of everything happening all at once. It's obviously a really big idea for an eight-year-old or maybe it's not. Maybe it's. You know, um, my kids both looked at me and went, oh, When I used the um, analogy of walking into a really full, um, abundant, well-appointed library, do you remember that analogy? Yeah, where's that from? One of the same books, like Home with God or Awaken the Species, one or the other. Give it to us. And God Consciousness gives the um, analogy of Imagine that you're standing in the door in the doorway of an enormous library in a really well-appointed home. So there's bookshelves from floor to ceiling and all sorts of other um, various items dotted around this beautiful ornate room. Mm-hmm. And in the corner is um, a 
a model or a statue of similar to say Michelangelo's David and that's the first thing you spot and you head straight there you move towards it because that's what you've seen and you notice it and you admire it and then you realize that actually there's another really big structure and it's a taxidermy bear and so you see that now and you move towards that and that's what you admire and then you realize that there's a whole wall of bookshelves behind the bear and you see a book in the middle row on the middle shelf it's got a green spine and you move towards that and god consciousness says you experienced these items these mm, objects sequentially yet they all existed simultaneously. In fact, everything in that room exists at the same time, but you experience each thing as you notice it, look at it, and move towards it. At that point, nothing else really exists for you. What exists is your object, the object you're focusing on. This is it. He's using it to describe like quantum physics, you know, the metaphysical 101 idea of how we move through life. But I love that because it's so visual. It's so easy to, well, for me anyway. And my kids were like, oh, yeah. It's hard to then like overlay that to because then you move through your own life and you're like, where is all that? Where is all that? But that's a really good one. So, okay, let's let's weave this into our current conversation about choices. Yes. So has the requirement for a choice to be made arisen because suddenly we don't have one object in view, we have two or multiple. Brilliant. Immediately what that does is it removes the sense of there being a wrong decision. Because if everything is already there, we're simply placing our attention on whatever sparks it, whatever we are drawn towards. But it doesn't matter if you notice the bear before the book or the book before the statue or the ceiling before the floor, or it doesn't matter. Because it's all already there. You're going to get to it all eventually. Mm. And I think that's uh, part of my exploration of this is actually an innate sense that we're all travelling through every portion of the library forever. It's Mm. like God consciousness wow this book is really coming up again uses another analogy which I really like which is the idea of being a video game console holder oh yeah 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 and I was using this not too long ago as well saying the program already contains every single possible outcome of every single possible choice Mm -hmm. that is why the game exists because it has been created so that you can explore using your console yes no left right jump whatever and just using that idea really contextualized a lot of stuff for me because I was like holy shit it's all already in the program it's all already here we're Mm. just place it it, whatever comes to life is what we place our attention on Mm. and it's it's raising in me another term which is something that is the first time I heard it fucking loved it first time I heard it I knew it was something real and true and it's used all the time by Abraham Hicks, and the term is leading edge. So they're always saying, as humans, you are on the leading edge. Mm. As soon as I heard it, I went, yes, 
yes, yes, yes. And I didn't even know what I was saying yes to because it's such a an, an ambiguous statement. Mm. But it occurs to me it's the console, it's the it's the human with the console, and the console is your consciousness and just what you choose to put your attention on. Because mm-hmm. making a choice is really just choosing what am I going to place my attention on? Where is my consciousness going to be, right? Mm-hmm. So what I love about this idea of leading edge is that as humans choosing where to place our consciousness, bringing to life whatever possibility is already programmed but is infinite <laughs> like in its, in its shades and variations, our humans are serving this incredible purpose in just playing the game because in choosing to jump, go left, go right, place your attention on this, that, the bear, the whatever, you are animating an aspect of all that is mm-hmm. where no one else can and in a way that no one else has. Mm-hmm. And without you, that wave of possibility, whatever you want to call that, that thread of possibility, call it a timeline, call it whatever, cannot have been animated without you placing your consciousness of it. So it would all just still be soup, but no one would be, what what am I searching for there? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I think I understand what you're trying to say. It's I think your word animate is perfect because mm. it does. It's a real bringing to life, <laughs> right? Because if you had chosen to stay in the UK, you would have animated an aspect of this world, this life that that only you could have animated at that time and in that way, right? Mm-hmm. That timeline, so to speak, was not animated this time in this Mm. incarnation or this expression of this incarnation by you. Mm. Mm -hmm. So my point is that in choosing towards what you were drawn to through your hearts, which is so beautiful, you knew somewhere deeper than what was alluring that there was something to go to move towards. So you trusted that. And in doing so, and I'm, I'm imagining you flying through the air and I'm imagining you going through India before. I'm, this is the leading edge idea. Physically animating that as you go because that is where you are. Yes. Yeah. And it's like all the colours bounce off it and yeah. all the feelings come out of it and all the flavours are born from there and all the people that you would never have met and all the things that would not, oh, my God. Oh, got, my God. I've got shivers. Yeah, me too, me too. That's huge. That is a, that is a very, um, oh, it's like a looking glass, looking through the looking glass really. <laughs> And peeling back the curtains to look at how it's all really working back there. But it's also forgiving, and I love looking at forgiving things at the moment, things that give us permission to forgive ourselves um, for anything that we perceive as being a misstep or any mm. opportunity missed or what have you because when I consider, I am <laughs> physically can't get this idea out of my mind, Tudor and Amy on an aeroplane flying through the air from one continent to another. And as I'm seeing that aeroplane fly through the sky, through the atmosphere, I'm sort of seeing life animate, being animated through that act somehow. And I think if that's what we're doing, if we're simply lighting up one of the infinite possibilities that is this soup that we're in, you you actually cannot, will never, it is impossible to animate the wrong thing mm-hmm. because all things in time, in time, need to become animated. It has to be all of it. And, again, oh, my God, Conversations with God, one of the books, and this idea of all your soul wants from you is an experience of pure love and pure love is explained as being 
like white light. That is every shade of every colour and even colours that we cannot perceive with our human eyes, but just all of it. Mm. It's not all of it unless it's all of it is my point. It's like we're not trying to live the best life. We're just animating the part of life that appeals to us the most at this point in time. Mm. And in doing so, even if we choose what humans might perceive as being badly, in inverted commas, Mm. and we become addicted to substances and we, you know, we shut out our friends and family and we um, neglect our bodies and our all of that, that too needs to be animated in order for the whole to be fully realised because without that, we we, all of it, (laughs) the whole, Mm. cannot be fully realised. It it can't be. It's not only the high. It's not only the so-called good. It's not only the timelines which are, you know, (laughs) ascending or whatever. It's not. Mm. And, yes, okay, we might evolve through different phases and periods and there will be times where we more of us choose one way or another and that's really interesting too. But cycles are cycles for good reason. And I don't know, this is just a really kind of mind-blowing conversation to a certain extent because what I suspected to be true, which was this idea that, and you said it yourself, opening statement pretty much, was that it doesn't really matter, is completely and utterly true. But beyond the kind of true that I thought might be possible, because in it being true is the forgiveness. God says you're already forgiven. We don't realise that it's part of the plan to animate every single part of it, every single fractal, every single fractal. Mm. Mm. So if you and Tudor in another dimension or however you want to see that or name that or I don't know how you talk about that, (laughs) (laughs) pose in in this physical reality to stay in London and I bet you did or have or are, I don't know, because that needed that needs to be animated too somehow. Do you see what mm, I'm saying? I see. I I really do see what you're saying. Yeah, I do. Imagine that we could all walk around living our lives knowing that. Imagine <sighs> that. Imagine that. That and that that's about forgiveness of self. Think about forgiveness of others. Others. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think we just all take a a fucking huge deep breath. And sigh out and just go, oh, thank God. Like, and thank God I don't have to do it all now in this life. Big one. Life in inverted commas, in this timeline, incarnation, whatever we're doing. It's like walking a wire, a high wire life like this sometimes. It's like shit because if I get it wrong, the pressure is just so immense. And if we all walked around knowing the incredibly complex um, <laughs> description of ultimate reality that you've just made <laughs> under- understandable, um, if we all walked around holding that in our awareness and our consciousness, I think it would just just take the pressure off. We'd just be able to let ourselves off the hook and, yeah, breathe a sigh of relief. And, and you know what else I think it, it does or would do? I think it brings us into presence because if you can remind yourself, we've had this, we've had shades of this conversation before, but now I'm thinking of you in your car Mm. on the half hour trip to and from school in the traffic. And I'm thinking (laughs) we didn't pick up on it in exactly this way during that conversation, but it's like if in that moment when you're like, what the fuck, if you're just aware that all that's required of you for the purpose of being on the leading edge of literally the most important thing in the history of everything and nothing and all that is, is to simply have your attention be where where you are, Mm. then it's just pulled you into 
presence because you see the that you know the value of simply noticing the moment. Mm. That's your job. What the fuck? It really puts everything in a tailspin, doesn't it? Which is which is so fantastic. It's so great. Bless the choices. Bless the choices and the decisions that we have to make because. But we don't need to be tormented over no. that because all will come. They will all be felt. They will all be known. They will all look. They are all being animated in one way or another. I don't know how it works. Mm. Mm. But every page in the library will be read. Every word will be animated by your consciousness. Mm. And without your consciousness being placed upon that word, it doesn't live its full life. It's there. It exists. But you haven't combined the existence with the light of awareness. Or your experience of it. Experience of it. Isn't it? Because that's we're in the realm of experience, aren't we? So why not really be where you are now? Like you just mentioned the traffic thing and I got it, but I'm getting it to a new level. Like, I don't know, just when you were saying, you know, every page in the library will be read. It made me think or feel, so why am I hurrying on to the next one? Because we feel like we've got to do it all in this shot. In this shot, yeah. So just be here now. Just be with this page. Just be with this bit. Yeah. Decisions make themselves. Also, we're not the only one in the picture. You know, we're here as a part of an orchestra, a symphony. It's not only our instrument that is playing on stage. And there are other factors, other frequencies, other humans, other souls at play. And, and, you know, I wonder, like, if we're harried pressured to make a decision does that allow space for those other factors for momentum and shifting and energies to lend their song (laughs) toward the crescendo you know decisions make themselves it's this idea of just give it some time just allow a little space into the situation Tormented over a decision is is rigid and resistant, isn't it? It's quite stuck. There's the pressure. Sometimes there's a time pressure placed upon it. Mm. You know, you need to let me know by close of business on Friday. And that, that adds another element to it. But choosing is quite empowering. Oh. Oh, my God. Isn't it? And I wonder if that's the sense of us being or a recognition somewhere deep within our unconscious or subconscious of being at the leading edge. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yes. I've I've made a choice. This is where my focus is going. This is where my attention is going. Now I'm moving in that direction. I'm at the leading edge and I feel empowered. Oh, my God, it's so huge what you're saying. Such a big piece, the empowerment piece. It's also closely related to worthiness. But then when I start going down the worthiness route, I circle back to the all-pervasive, ever-present forgiveness of whatever you choose because it's all good. It's all valuable. That's not to say that there aren't plenty of choices that people have made, are making, will make, that cause tremendous harm. 
So there's there's an interesting piece too is around the trust that the library already exists. Everything, everything is already there, is already in it. And this story, this realm, when you're in it, like when you read a good book and you become so absorbed in it that you feel like you enter the world and it becomes your world, it feels so big. But Mm. we're actually only in one book Mm. together. And the library is endless, so vast that we can't conceive of it. So that then helps bring some of what we become so heartbroken about and so dismayed about and so disillusioned by can, you know, can we hold all of that in this too, you know? Like does it help provide scope and perspective in the in, in feeling as though, okay, we are 100% all collectively agreed to be absorbed in this story. Mm. And we don't realise that we've become so absorbed in what is just one book in a never-ending selection of books. We feel like this is the only one, that this is the only story. But maybe if we open our minds to the possibility that this is just what we have collectively agreed to absorb ourselves in for good reason, knowing at a deeper level in our essence or in our more expanded infinite selves that there are countless other books being explored in you know what I'm saying like mm. it pulls what can be what what can be an overwhelming time of how can this world possibly be saved at this point or you know what I'm saying mm. now working in climate action it's really easy yes that's where that's coming from right? yeah to look at all the problems and go on a physical 3d level it appears insurmountable at this time. I'm just so thankful for my woo-woo, you know, (laughs) um, mind because if I was coming at, you know, the work with just a, right, here is a list of the problems, it is endless. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Here's a list of the solutions. None of them appear to be able to actually solve the issue now what I would be crippled and a lot of people are I'm learning of people who struggle with severe psychological problems surrounding climate yes climate anxiety and major Mm. lives are being affected deeply by people who just don't know how it's ever we can't it's too late we're fucked and no one cares I get it but this conversation helps me anyway and even if it's just a mental lifeboat I don't know but I guess I'll take it because the alternative is overwhelming anxiety and maybe even despair but it's this sense that it's okay this is not all there is Mm. and possibilities exist that we have not factored in (laughs) (laughs) and they go well beyond physical remedies, physical solutions, physical strategies, whatever you want to call it, that, yeah, I don't know. I'm zooming from the personal experience of choosing to live in one place to another to then, well, if that applies to the individual, then that applies to everything yeah 
So I guess what we're doing at the moment is we're choosing what to animate with mm. our consciousness. And maybe that's what people are talking about when they're saying, you know, it just takes 1% of the population to influence the energetic field mm. or what have you. It's like, well, maybe if enough of us just choose mm. to animate something else. I love that. I love that. That's, that's the leading edge. That is the leading edge. And you know what? I really prefer that over co-create because co-create feels like we've got to conjure something out of nothing. Yes. And it still feels like the onus is on our mental faculties somehow. Yeah. But choosing what to animate feels like, oh, I'm going to take the red pencil out of the tin and colour that flower in red. Like it just, it just feels a lot more simple, simple. right? I love that. And, and it feels achievable even on a collective level. Remember those um, choose your own adventure books? In yeah. The <laughs> that sort of, this is what, what you're saying reminds me of. Yeah. As in the story exists, but we are creating the version that we mm. want to experience, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how? By choosing <laughs> to put our attention on one aspect over another. Mm. Is that I think that really, I, I really feel that that's a very strong thread that runs through all of this. Yeah. And it applies everywhere, even if we're having an experience that we're not enjoying. Yeah, keep talking. We can animate another thing to therefore have that experience rather than the one that we're not currently enjoying. I had the wonderful experience yesterday of doing a session with a 13-year-old. Wow. Not my own. Wow. And... So we were talking about what's going on for her and an aspect of her life that she's not enjoying. And I found myself saying to her, okay, what in your life matters more to you than that experience? And so she told me about all these wonderful things. And so I was like, you know, we don't need to try and stop focusing on that unenjoyable experience. Instead, we can choose to focus on what matters more to you, on wow. what you, this is what they say, right? What you want, focus on what you want, but choosing to animate something, choosing to bring life into, to breathe life into a thing, that makes. The implications of what you're saying are just like reverberating through my being because you said before, it just makes it all so simple. What you're saying makes it all so simple. My God, like this image I now hold of whatever I'm placing my attention on becoming animated at the leading edge of life itself so that if you imagine like a head torch, mm. you're wearing a head torch and that wherever you look, mm -hmm. it's illuminating that and everything else is sort of like cast in mm. to a type of shadow, I guess, then, then all these, exactly what you said, it's like all these ideas that I've either felt uncomfortable with or dismissed or what have you, things like um, co-creation or... Um, writing a gratitude list even, like things like that, which I'm like, oh, it sounds so inauthentic and it sounds really whatever. But actually what you were effectively saying to your 13-year-old client was when you cast the light of your awareness on something that makes you feel good, you are in essence giving thanks for that. You don't have to be, you don't have to write a list necessarily, but what you're doing is you're, you're sort of saying you're not just saying to the to life more of this, please. You're actually um, insisting on. You are creating more of that, please, because that's where the that's the direction in which your light is shining. This is the first time I have understood this concept. Isn't like, this amazing? It's happening right now. 
<laughs> because the truth actually is simple. You just, we just have to like burrow through the layers first. We have to peel them back and in eye-watering, onion-like fashion. I hope I never forget this. Like. Yeah, same, because it really is making a lot of sense. And I love the head torch thing that's just so, <laughs> so spot on. Like. In a cave, like what are you going, what are you going to mm. illuminate, which then brings it to life in whatever way, like there's your timeline, I, like in inverted commas, I guess. It's like because I've heard things before saying, oh, you know, if you're really grateful for something, then, you know, you'll get more of it or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in negotiations now. Like, you know, the quality of my gratitude list somehow determines how good things are going to be. I don't know. I was always a bit like, mm, yeah, yeah. Something's not, something's not sitting perfectly well with me there. but. This concept, which is the same concept, but is a lot more definitive because there's a difference between this sense of transaction. Mm. That's what I'm going to say. I have been impacted by this incessant concept of transaction between me and life. It's always like I've always been given or I have always interpreted these types of teachings to be like, be a good girl, write your lists think good thoughts, focus on the, be positive, all of that, and then life will kind of be kind, right? And I, mm. it always felt like I'm at the bank teller, mm-hmm. you know, saying here's my thing, where's your thing? And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't, nothing about this. What's interesting about what, how we're framing it today is that there's no transaction. It just is. is. Mm. You don't have to do any, you don't have to be a good girl. Mm. You know, the universe is not owed anything other than your consciousness and you need not do anything. It is you. You are it. It is all. <laughs> there are, oh, my God. Like, And I needed to eradicate the sense of transaction and it's happened in this conversation. Amen. Amen. Thank goodness. That's awesome. I think what goes with what you just said mm-hmm. is that as we become more aware, we then have, I almost want to say privilege, but it's not its not bestowed uh, like a, an awareness that we get to choose where our awareness, where the light of awareness goes. Oh, that's it. So it's not just, it's not enough to just go, okay, so, um, you know, where I shine my light of awareness is what I'm bringing life to and animating. Right. It's then the practice of the integration of the actual, like it is enough to just be, it is enough. No one's, no one's like holding you to account. No one is. No one's saying you must because you have an awareness you must or anything but there is then this sort of impetus to be intentional around where you shine your light of awareness which is perhaps where the gratitude list practices come in it's an outside in kind of a thing but then if we have this light of awareness it's like well where am I going to shine it Right, and that's that right there is what I was going to say was being elicited in me as you were talking just now was, oh, my God, we're actually programmed as part of the video game. <laughs> Our avatar is programmed to feel good. The whole point is like, okay, yes, you can choose to focus on the shit, the shit storm, the shit show, the shit on the bottom of your shoe, all of it. It's all there. The stench is real. Um, <laughs> So you can put your attention there 100% and it is serving a purpose. Mm. It is illuminating and animating another part of all that is. It exists. It is there. It is here. Absolutely valid choice. Mm. But as you were talking, I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's not even it's not even an effort. It's not even a difficult thing to choose to shine your light somewhere more 
enjoyable or more pleasant because we're designed to feel good. Mm. So eventually you don't want to animate the shit show anymore. It it gets really uncomfortable Mm. and maybe even painful. And so I'm just thinking how beautifully designed the whole thing is. It's all here. Mm. You can make no wrong turns. Whatever you choose is perfect. You're designed to feel good. Trust what feels good. Put your attention there and that's what you animate. Whatever you look at, whatever you, wherever you are. <laughs> you can also animate the inanimate <laughs> and by that I mean your thoughts. So you can live in your head and live in a, in a quasi parallel world because your thoughts are creating just manifestations of a million different things that could go wrong, will go wrong. And what about what happened then? And that was terrible. And all of that, you can live there, but it's not actually bringing life to all that is. It's just creating a cycle Mm. of thoughts. Mm -hmm. They're not pseudo reality. Yeah. Pseudo reality. Yeah. So all we're being asked to do which, again, I've heard in all the teachings around this stuff, which I've either rejected or dismissed or what have you, (laughs) but coming at it from this direction feels completely different to me, is trust your impulse to feel good. Trust your sense of well-being and animate that. Mm. and in animating wellness, and by well I mean source, by animating the wellness of self, the wellness of the earth, the wellness of loved ones, and by, again, I'm not meaning just physical health, although that counts 100%, but the sourceness, the essence of those things, which is light and love, joy and freedom, that is definitely going to animate a different story. It is going to create a different choose-your-own-adventure collectively than if you keep looking at the shit show, Mm. only because it's kind of physics now in my mind. Yeah. It's just like we, we are naturally drawn to that which feels good is my point. Yeah. Yeah, we really are. You don't, well, except that we're so easily diverted from what feels good. And we've been perverted Yeah, good in word. instances as well. What feels good has been perverted and distorted. Oh, my God, so true. But in our raw, natural, pure state, a baby will be calm and settled in, a, in an environment that feels good when it's nursing or has a full belly or... It feels good having had enough sleep. We are the frequency of pure love. Love is all there is. Yeah. We are love. Yeah. Bliss, joy. And that if that's our natural state, then we tend to that. Nature tends to its natural state, doesn't it? Wow. Cool. <laughs> so then for the person who's facing down the barrel of a decision, a choice. It really isn't much comfort to say, babe, it doesn't matter. matter. (laughs) And, and of course, and of course, relatively speaking, it doesn't, Mm. but relatively speaking, it's everything. It's everything. So it depends humanness that needs it to, and needs it to matter. And it's important that it does matter. Exactly what I was going to say. If it didn't, we would never have the experience that we talked about at the beginning of this episode, which is the quandary of uncertainty, the Mm -hmm. necessity to go inward, the necessity to investigate, the necessity to check sensory um input or you know sensations um it just wouldn't happen Mm -mm. and we need those in order to stay conscious Mm -hmm. yep hands down 100 percent. so you slide into 
unconscious living and not care, but then you're not making any choice about where you place your awareness. So you've lost your power. Yeah, that's right. And that's true power. Yeah. Holy fuck balls. <laughs> it's just pure gold. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was really beautiful and unexpected. Bye, darling. Love you. Love you.